Well, good evening. Uh, this is my fourth interview with Katie Lewin, who's currently or who is in uh, Yangon. And uh, as some of you would know, we've uh, spoken to him in three previous interviews dealing with other parts of his life. And where, where we finished the last interview, he was over in Rotterdam picking up the P. Dorta uh, merchant, uh, commercial vessel to bring it back to uh, Rangoon as it was then. And so KT, can we start with that particular, you, that trip you came back and then you, I think you said you sailed it for a couple of years around the coast of uh, Burma. Good, uh, good evening, uh, Peter. Oh, sure, yes. Uh, we can start off where we left last time that I joined the Good ship Kyoto in Rotterdam uh, uh, as a second officer. There was a European uh, British captain and a British chief officer. I was the senior most Burmese officer on board. And this is the first ship that was ever owned by a, a commercial ship that was ever owned by Burma. And uh, it was a coastal passenger ship, a second hand one. It was built in 1927, and that's all they could afford at that time. Uh, and I was on that ship for two years around the coast, hoping that I would eventually become captain. So that's uh, how, how I was employed on the Piroda. Uh, then, uh, then circumstances changed uh, my career. Uh, when I was uh, sailing on one voyage, I had a family, a VIP family uh, came on board. Uh, the, the head of the family was a justice uh, of the high court, and he brought his wife and his two children. And uh, the, there was the young daughter, uh, uh, very attractive, so I thought at that time, and we fell in love, and then uh, I started dating her, uh, and uh, it went on for a year or so. Later on, one evening, this uh, uh, justice uh, of the High Court, he asked me a very frank question after uh, our dinner, we're having coffee. And he said, Katie, he said, do you intend to marry my daughter? So I said, yes, sir, I do. So, well, he says, you forget about it. He said, because I, unless you can find a short job, I cannot let my daughter marry you. Because if you are at sea and going around the world, uh, my daughter is left at home, it won't be very good for her. So I said, uncle, I'm sorry, but I don't know what I can take any show jobs that, that is uh, worthwhile doing that I don't know. Uh, so he said, well, don't worry. I will find out what's possible for you from my contacts. And he was, uh, he had a good friend in the port as a port commissioner. Uh, he asked a gentleman, you know, whether there's anything in the port that fit my CV. And uh, after a while, the commissioner of the port came back to him and said, yes, he said, we are having uh, 
British pilots, and we have been gradually intended to be, they will be replaced. And we already have a Burmese river pilot, and uh, there are some vacancies there if your uh, prospective son-in-law wants to apply. So I was more or less uh, forced to apply for that job, which I got. And then, uh, so I left this ship. I signed off from the ship to join the port as the first Burmese harbor pilot uh, in the port of Rangoon. What, what year are we? Oh, that would be, I would say, 1954. Uh, okay. Sorry, 52, 52. Okay. No, I, I, wait a minute there. No, sorry. 1952, when I joined the Pirota. 1954 was when I joined the port. Okay. As a harbor pilot. Okay. Right. Well, uh, then uh, in, in the port, it is, uh, the pilots have their own grades. Depending on what grade you are, you are allowed to handle the size of the ship according to your, your competency. And there were three, three examinations uh, after a period of time in the river. So I was started as a fourth grade pilot, then third grade, second grade, and then first grade. First grade, I was on, uh, it would be uh, uh, unlimited, unlimited tonnage. So I achieved up to that first grade. I was very happy being a harbor pilot. That was a very nice job. Uh, in fact, that I, I would say as far as jobs go, the best job that I've, I've, I've had in my life because uh, the job was uh, something that I like handling ships in the harbor. And also, uh, there's no fixed hours. You do the job mainly during the day, and you are e free for the, for the evening and uh, for, for the whole night. So that was fine. Then, uh, well, what happened was, the ship, the, the port had two uh, marine department chiefs. One was called the director of marine. He was the top, top, uh, uh, I would say top gun of the marine department. And the, his assistant was called harbor master, uh, who was controlling the harbor and harbor movements and harbor, uh, uh, all the berthing and, and sailing of the ships. Well, uh, the first Burmese pilot, the river pilot, he became harbor master. And then the chief of the marine department suddenly retired and went home. And so he was promoted to department of uh, the department head, as they call it, the master attendant. And then there was a vacancy for the harbor master position. And I became harbor master more or less without any uh, previous uh, planning. So I remained on, uh, in that job for five years as harbor master of Port Rangoon. What's happening to your girlfriend, meanwhile? Oh, why? That, 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 that. <laughs> well, if that is going to be an interview, well, what happened was quite strange. Uh, we didn't we didn't marry. Uh, we didn't marry because 
and for some reason they, uh, she, they were Christians and they they uh, wanted a church wedding which I agreed then but I had to get consent from my parents my father and mother well, did not object to me marrying a Christian girl but they said we should also have a Burmese wedding because Burmese wedding is not is not not uh, religious, it's purely cultural uh, uh, occasion. When I explained that to my, uh, the parents of the girl, they said, no, no, you're you are demanding too much. We don't like that kind of demand. So I explained, I said, it's not a demand, it's only a request from my parents that I like to uh, follow. So they said, no, that, that, that's not on. So that, that very day, uh, my girlfriend also stood by their parents, and I got mad, and I said, all right, not kid, I'm going. Uh, I'm no, I won't come back. So that, <laughs> that was, I left. <laughs> that was it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, then so, a year later, I, I met another girl. Uh, strange thing was, I met her at the same place. And I met the first girl. The next day, I met her on a ship. But this time, with a different ship. This ship was going to, it is a ship bound for UK via Colombo. And, and this girl and her mother and a group of ladies, they were traveling to Candy, to, to Colombo, to visit the temple of the uh, Buddha's tooth at Candy. Yeah, I know that place well. Yeah. So, right, right. My dad happened to be ambassador uh, at that time in Ceylon. Uh, I didn't know at that time when I, when I met met her uh, on board the ship. I didn't know that the family knew each other. It's only through by chance I, when I talked to them. Then they said the, her father used to work at the school in Rangoon as a head, as senior senior teacher. Then I found out the name, and then I knew that then I then that. He happened to be my teacher at one time. Goodness. So it was actually a family uh, were well known to each other. And then uh, I proposed to her and then uh, they, they, they finally agreed after a couple, a couple of months and then we got married. When so was that? that? That is my present wife. <laughs> when was that? Yeah. 19... That was nine, 1956-56. We, so, we got married actually at the city hall. You know the city hall? Yes, in I do. I do know yeah. the city hall. Well, yeah. In those days, we could hold a wedding there. So it was in, quite, 19, yeah. in 1956, um, you, you're still harbour master, right? Uh, I was not yet harbour master. I was still a harbour pilot. Okay. I got promoted uh, during the time after and, my marriage. And you said you were four years as harbour master. Is that correct? That's right, for four, yeah. four to five years. Yeah. Yes. And, and I was quite, quite happy with that job, by the way. It right. Was, it was a, a very uh, busy, busy work, busy, uh, busy job, but I was quite happy doing it. And a very strange uh, thing happened. Uh, at that time, uh, we have a caretaker government, just like we have one right now. Uh, the caretaker government, uh, the first caretaker military government that was set up in 19, 
1959. So in that Celtic government, they have the BDC, the Army Commercial Outfit, and they went to, mainly they went to, uh, to Israel, Israeli government, to help them with the, developing the, the country, uh, various activities, like banks and uh, airline and hotels and, and shipping. So Zim Israel Navigant Company took a five-year agreement to start up a shipping company called the Burma Five Star Line. You may have heard of that. Yes, I have. Well, yes, Burma Five Star Line had a, a Israeli general manager. And as halfmaster, uh, he worked closely with me because he was already interested in getting uh, his uh, good berths for his ships and, you know, and the movements. So one day he phoned me and his name was Elon, so I call him Ike. So I said, good morning, Ike. So he said, not a bloody good morning. <laughs> so I said, what do you mean? Uh, oh, you know, he says, we have two ships uh, with a Burmese crew, and one has gone on strike in Manila. And we don't know how to, how to, how to fix it because uh, the, the captain and the senior officers have never handled Burmese crew, and they are, they are having problem with uh, Manila. And uh, then he says, General Newin also getting very, very, very interested in these things. And so he got to do something. So I was well, jokingly, I said, I, I said, do you want me to go and fix it? I was just joking. He went and told uh, his immediate boss, Brigadier Aungji. And Aungji was looking for a solution. So he said, oh. Yeah, you send, you send, uh, we send him along there and, and so that he can, uh, he can solve this problem, uh, which we can't at the moment. And the general is getting, getting very mad. So that very afternoon, they brought a passport and my first class ticket to Manila and sent me there. <laughs> so uh, to cut the story short, I somehow fixed fix the uh, strike. I came back to report everything was all right. Then while I was reporting, there's another ship in Tokyo went on strike. So, so they sent me off again to Tokyo. And then when I had done that, uh, that uh, and, uh, and, and uh, came back, then they thought that it's Burma Five Thailand should have a Burmese superintendent uh, so that they can have they can handle the Burmese crew. Uh, so they, they thought I would be a good choice. And he asked me, so I said, well, I'm half a master. I'm quite happy with my job. I get a permanent job. Uh, so he said, don't worry. You, you, we'll give you all the perks that you want. Uh, uh, same as what, what you're getting now as half master. So I thought to myself that time, a half master job, I've been there five years and I've got a senior fellow ahead of me. And this Burma Five Star Line, uh, possibly one day, the Israelis will, 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 uh, 
go back and then maybe I have a good chance to to be head of head of the Marine Department in Burma Fire Star Line. So I actually uh, chose the job and became Marine Superintendent of the Burma Fire Star Line for the next, oh, it was about eight years. So just, very, very happy with that. Yes. Just a question for people to understand. Yes? Was it easy to get flights in those days? You know, how did you, you know, is there planes every day going from Rangoon to Manila and Rangoon to Tokyo? I mean, was it complicated? What's it, little planes? Well, no. In those days, Rangoon was the hub. Right. Not so much Bangkok, you know. Yes. Rangoon was the, the hub for your comet. If you remember the comet from London to Sydney, yep. halfway house was Rangoon. And that's where we built the, our, at that time, a very modern airport. So there, were, there was always a Pan American, there was Air France, there was a, a KLM. Was it, it would have been very expensive to travel though, wasn't it? Well, I, I, at that time, if I remember correctly, foreign change was uh, not a problem. Uh, many of my friends who are in commercial business, they often uh, apply for passport and then foreign change, and they, they went. Uh, they went to Japan, they went to uh, mainly to Japan and Hong Kong. Yeah. But not so expensive. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I mean, of course, you were paid for, but yep. that presumably all changed after 62. That's right. That's right. And then, then once they nationalized everything, every, all, the, all the airline pulled out. Right. So you, did, you said you did, um, was it five or six years as the uh, Marine superintendent? I was Marine then for nine years. Nine years. Okay. Nine years. Yeah. And uh, it was it was not uh, it was a very interesting job because we started off with the Burma Fire Thailand with one old uh, World War II built second hand converted ship. And we finished up when I when I was when I was uh, when I went to my next job, we had we had fourteen ships at that time. Goodness. Yeah, and um, mind you, they're not all new ships; they're second-hand ships as well. Sure, but it's quite a quite a big fleet. And Burma Fire Thailand was was international standard. We were we were running to uh, the UK and Europe for one service, and the other services to Far East, all the way uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Japan. And did the um, did the Israelis remain involved for all those years? Oh no, that uh, that that is another another uh, strange thing. Israelis were supposed to uh, manage us for five years. So after two years, there was a Suez Canal problem. If you remember, uh, Suez Canal problem with Colonel Nasser, he didn't like the Israelis, as you know, uh, and uh, our ships were going through the canal. And their intelligence know that we are being managed by uh, by the Zim Israel lines, so they they warn our government, hey, that we don't like your ships going through the canal, 
managed by Israelis. We're going to stop them from going through. So then Newin was told about this. So Newin said, all right, you, yeah, we sent a team to NASA and uh, to negotiate with them what he wants us to do. So one team, a high-ranking team, a Navy admiral with two generals, they went to Cairo uh, and then spoke to NASA. And NASA said, okay, very easy. He said, if you, if you, uh, if you want to go through the ship's canal, you must get rid of the Israeli management. So, and then the Newin told the, the company, he said, all right, he said, send the Israelis home. <laughs> right away. So while I was taking over a ship in Japan as going to be captain of the new ship, I got a phone call saying that I've been promoted to Marine Superintendent. So I said, what happened to the Marine Superintendent? Israeli military? He said, he's gone home. Yeah, we all, they all gone home. And uh, so, we, so we are promoted and we want you back. So I said, uh, please let me finish this job or del taking delivery of the ship bring her to Rangoon, and then I would uh, uh, come to the office. So we compromised, and so I landed in the office, more or less, it was, but the department was absolutely empty as far as the top is concerned. Israeli has gone home. That's how I became half, uh, the Marine Superintendent by surprise. Okay? Yeah, and what happened yeah. then? What was the next step? Well, in the I was quite happy there. We had changes of... Uh, uh, the managing directors, three or four of them, political appointments. Then finally, the minister or deputy minister uh, also took over the job as the managing director of the Burma Five Star Line as well. And normally, he sends for me when he needs to buy second-hand ships. Uh, he sends for me to come and discuss with him. Uh, so that was quite routine for me. And then I will go off to, with another engineer, I'll go off to uh, uh, Europe, second-hand market, look for ships. And one day I was asked to go come, come, come and see the minister. So I went with him with all my files for the second-hand ships. And as soon as I got in, he said, oh, dump all your files. I don't want to, it's not for about this. And I said, then I said, uh, uh, May I know what what you need me for? He said, "Well, we're going to promote you." I said, promote me? <laughs> I couldn't understand what he meant. So I said, I, "Please, I don't follow." So he said, "We want to set up a training school, Merchant Marine Training School, and we want you to be the principal." So I said, uh, "Sir, I said um, I know there are a few others who are more qualified than I am." Uh, so oh, I, I would rather I, I stay in my present job, which I'm quite happy with. So he said, no, no. He said, this is a decision by the cabinet. The cabinet thinks <laughs> you're a good troubleshooter. <laughs> so that's how I became the principal of the Institute of Marine Technology. Actually, it was meant to be much in Navy training school. So and did you, I, retain, did you retain the same benefits, same money, same conditions? Oh, oh no, this is very strange. Uh, he said, oh, we're going to promote you. You get better pay. So I said, sir, I said, if you don't mind me saying so, uh, if I'm to, to be given the next uh, 
higher scale of pay, I would be drawing your money. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was 1,800 chats a month was his, his salary. The managing director of Bamafai Thailand was also 1,800. And Marie should be 1,400. But at Bamafai Thailand, before it should nationalize as a company, I was getting 1,600. So they couldn't drop my pay. So I was getting the same as the managing director. See? So there's no permission for me to, to, to be the principal. So he said, no, he said, uh, we, uh, please, uh, this is something important for the country. Uh, so we would like you to, uh, to help where, with building of the merchant, merchant marine training. So I said, sir, uh, if you think, uh, if you're confident that, I, uh, that I'm the right man, I, uh, uh, I would do it. He said, but I said, may I just do it for three more years? He looked at me and said, what do you mean? So I said, I'm due for my pension in three years' time. Because you take your pension by years of service, 30 years common service, or by, by age. So by service, I, I had already done 27 years. So I was only at that time about 47. Yeah. So uh, he said, then he said, what are you going to do? Are you going to go overseas? So he asked me a very straightforward question. So I said, yes, sir. I said, I intend to go and uh, I intend to go overseas. And actually, at that time, I had no and I uh, didn't think seriously about going overseas. But I had a thought because the education system in Burma was getting very, very bad. And then I wanted to educate my children with higher education, a better education overseas. So I said, I would like to move overseas to educate my children. All right, he said, if you, uh, uh, if you can do this job within the uh, three years and have it set up well, uh, then uh, we'll, 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 we'll let you go. So I said, yes, yeah, certainly, so I'll do my best. And I got up, and I got up and just took my hand out to shake his hand. And, you know, when you off, somebody offers your hand, uh, his hand, you shake, shake automatically. The minister shook my hand. Then I said, sir, I said, this is our gentleman agreements. <laughs> I said that quickly, you know. <laughs> so uh, he said, yes. <laughs> and that was very useful that I mentioned that. So when the time came, I went to him. I said, sir, do you remember our gentleman agreement? <laughs> so he didn't want me to let me go, but he had to be a gentleman to let me go. So that's how I got out. And you would have taken a big cut in pay to do that job, wouldn't you? Uh, uh, you mean uh, as a government job, you mean? Yes. No, actually, I was getting the same. Oh, yeah, that, that is another thing. Uh, my, that I, I would have been dropped my salary, but I, I, I wasn't thinking about salary. I was thinking more of the status of the, of the institute, uh, of the of oh. school. So I, I said... That, uh, that I would like to uh, make the plan for this uh, uh, this this training school and submit to you. Uh, so I drew up a plan and I changed it to Institute of Marine Technology to to be uh, more or less in line with the Rangoon Institute of Technology, RIT. You know RIT. Yeah. It's the, the Rangoon Institute of Technology. So something like that. So uh, uh, Institute of Marine Technology, 
And uh, it was a, a five-year plan. And I took it to him. And then he said, he went through that. He studied overnight. And then he said, all right, sir. You tell me one thing, sir. How many ships of Burma fight Thailand got? That's 14. So your plan is for 14 ships? I said, no, sir. I said, my plan is for the country. <laughs> he, he looked surprised. Said, what do you mean? <laughs> so I said, oh, uh, could I talk uh, freely? Oh, yes, go ahead. So I said, our country is broke. We don't have foreign exchange, enough foreign exchange. And you know that. So yes, that this, if you take Philippines, uh, the Philippines cement export is number two in the foreign exchange earning. Correct. They're sending a lot of semen overseas, and that is earning a lot of money. So that's the same idea that I want to develop so that our semen go overseas and earn foreign exchange for the country, working for other ships. So at that time, he, he thought that would be a good, good thing for him as well, you know, uh, to show this plan that we're going to bring in foreign exchange. So maybe that's the reason also I he agreed that to change it to the Institute of Marine Technology. Then, so it, since it's Institute of Marine Technology, then my, my rank also was upgraded. So I, I had the same salary as I was having in Burma Fire Star Line. Wow. And it was quite a yeah. status. Quite a status. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But all this is all by surprises. All, all these are unplanned. I never expect to get these jobs. No. So then did and, you retire at 47? Yeah, I then, uh, oh, then I was wondering, how the heck do I get a job overseas? I don't know anybody on yet. And uh, any, uh, I don't uh, really, uh, it's, uh, easy, it's not easy to look for a job overseas. Uh, I was actually thinking about Hong Kong, uh, sailing on a ship as a master. And that was easier than, you know, a shore job. Uh, then one day, while I was still, principal of this Institute of Marine Technology, phone rang in the morning. I picked up the phone. It was a, a lady whom I had known. Her husband was in the Navy. And she said, oh, he said, uh, may I talk to Captain Varden? So Captain Varden, by the way, was my assistant. Uh, he's a uh, nautical lecturer. So I said, uh, sorry, I said, uh, Varden is uh, lecturing, but can I give him a message? So he said, please tell him, he said, we need a captain uh, urgently. Then I, I was joking, I told, I asked, um, what do you pay a captain? $1,000. In those days, $1,000, 1970 was something. You know? Absolutely. So, then I also I was just uh, joking. I said, okay, I'm interested. Just said that as a joke. And I dropped the phone. Next morning, she, she called me and she said, Katie, said, oh, your old friend, uh, Elon, has sent his compliments and said, if you come, there are many jobs. You don't have to be, uh, be just... Uh, worry about the captain. You can have many show jobs with them. So I said, wait a minute. Elon was working for Burma Five Star Line. He came from Zim Israel Line. 
And as far as I know, he went back to Zim Israel. No, no, he says, Edon also did not stay in Zim Israel. He, he went on his own to Singapore, partnered with a Chinese uh, shipping, shipping man, and they, they started chartering ships, and they made very good money during Korean War time. Uh, and he said, now they own nine ships, you know. So he's a ship owner. <laughs> that was uh, something that I didn't know. Anyway, I, I, at that time, I didn't want to say anything to her because everything in Burma at that time was unsafe. Uh, telephones and phones were know, uh, yeah. yeah, that, that, yeah. And they not only telephone, tele, they read all the, the, the telegrams and telexes and so on. So I thought the best way to contact Elon would be by hand. If I could send a letter that uh, by by a ship that's going there, as it happened, um, uh, one coastal ship was going there, and that uh, bosun there was uh, somebody who worked with me. He also knew Elon in Burma Fire Star Line, so I gave him the letter to Elon, and he he got to the Singapore, and then he went to Elon's office and. Uh, yeah, gave the letter, or wanted to give it to Elon. Elon hadn't come to office, so they said, leave, leave the letter here, and uh, he would, they would give it to him when he came back. Uh, he, well, he used to work late, uh, start late, uh, he worked late as well. So when Elon came, came in, then the bosun stayed, stayed and then met, met him, then gave him my letter. Oh, he right away he looked at it and then immediately he called his secretary and he said, typed out the letter of intent. Uh, he gave the dictated letter and then sent it back to the bosun. So when I got that letter, I knew that I could get a job, I, uh, that, that it could, uh, I, I would be able to, uh, uh, if I can leave Rangoon uh, uh, and then I'll be, have a job waiting in Singapore. So that's what happened. So I I got a job in Singapore, and I was there with him for about three years. Did you take the family to Singapore too? Yes, I did, but not so easy. Uh, at that time, I was allowed, allowed to go out without a passport because I I was going out with a seaman book, uh, supposedly to join a ship. But family not allowed to, uh, they were not given any passport at all. Uh, eventually, I had to wait six months uh, until uh, my family got their passports. Uh, and then I, there were I think my wife and four children. And we all went out to Singapore. What year is this? That was 1979. 79, yes. And you spent a few years yeah. in Singapore, or did you? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I was in Singapore for uh, roughly about two years. Uh, then quite happy, except that, you know, with the Israelis, you can't trust them. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Elon uh, was a very smart cookie. Uh, he knew about his shipping, and he was doing very well. And, uh, but he had a plan. Yeah, he was borrowing money from banks to buy ships 
and trade them, but uh, only paying back the interest. And that way, eventually, uh, he started slowing down on his payments. Then, uh, then the crew salary that we had to remit to Burma for the crew families, that was always uh, first week of the month. Uh, that we would uh, we would send out to Rangoon, but he started slowing down on that as well. And when I mentioned this to him, that I'm the one that is uh, bringing the crew out from Burma in my name or the name of a company as me as managing director, I said, it's not a good thing for me to slow down there. So eventually uh, I realized that he, uh, he wasn't quite honest, but there's nothing I could do about it. You know? And then one day, an ex-Navy friend of mine who was working for a Chinese company, had a shipping company, uh, first in Thailand, and then he was, so he was sent to uh, New York to be their regional director. So he phoned me and said, he says, JT, he says, uh, I have a proposition for you. I said, what is it, Kenneth? Well, he said, I, I met a young Thai the shipping executive. He has some family connections, and he wants to start a national shipping line in Thailand. At that time, in Thailand, the, the shipping lines were either government or uh, Chinese, Chinese finance or Norwegian. Uh, the, none of them were actually owned by Thai private businessmen. So he wanted to start this first, um, first Thai national shipping line, shipping company. So yeah, he asked my friend if my friend would help him set up the company. My friend said, yes, he would at that time. He promised. And later on, when this young chap, young shipping executive, uh, managed to get some people interested, some business people, uh, Thai business people to, to contribute shares. So he asked my friend, now is the time to start. So how about coming over? So my friend said, well, I, I will come over when I'm ready, but I also need another, another fellow to help me uh, on a technical side. And I have a friend in Singapore uh, who is was my ex-Navy friend. So he said, yes, so the two of, two of us would start this thing. So uh, this friend of mine from New York, he phoned me and told me about this proposition. So I said, well, I said, Kenneth, I said, uh, I, I don't mind doing something together with you, but I need to, you know, to, uh, to check up on these people. And I've never been to Thailand and I don't know these people. So I went and uh, when I went to Thailand for a, for a business trip, I went and saw them and they explained to me that all they had was uh, just a plan, nothing else. Uh, they were waiting for us to come and, and start. So anyway, I told this chap, I said, I'm ready to come. I can give my notice to my employer, provided my friend is also coming. So you, you have to go, to go and ask him. And then when he says it's okay, he'll come, then just send me a one, one word uh, telegram, success. 
So I went back to Singapore and I got this telegram from him, success. Oh, I said, that's good. So I, I went and uh, talked to my Israeli chap, uh, Mr. Elon. So I said, uh, Elon, I'm very sorry I had to leave you because I, I want to start something with a friend of mine in Thailand. So he is very reluctant. He said, very sorry, but uh, he let me go. And that's how I left, I left uh, Singapore, left the company also. But luckily I did because uh, about six months later, this chap disappeared altogether. Wow. From Singapore. He went, he went, he went, disappeared. And nobody saw, he left everything, his, his home, uh, everything intact. But his wife and he disappeared. And his Chinese partner said, oh, uh, my partner has, has run away. <laughs> yeah. So he, he declared bankrupt, bankruptcy. And the company uh, really uh, went bankrupt officially. But they had already stripened out all the money to Switzerland oh, before that. So, <laughs> and, and this guy finally landed up in Australia, I believe. Yeah. So I was very lucky that I got out in time. Yeah. So how so long were you in, So you moved to Thailand with the family? I moved to Thailand with the family. Oh, we were we were treated as VIPs. Uh, when we arrived at the airport in Bangkok, there there, there were uh, girls uh, putting garlands around, uh, garland of flowers around our necks and. My family was very, very impressed. Then we are moved into a hotel. Uh, and then uh, next day, my, my, this, China, this Thai executive, uh, he said, uh, he said uh, would you please come with me f to visit some business partners who are interested to see you? And would you put on a suit and so on? So I put on a suit, my best suit, and went with him. And all day we went to many, many, uh, about five or six uh, people. Uh, one was a banker, then another one was in the shell company, another one was, uh, well, many, many uh, of the entrepreneurs. Uh, and they were talking in Thai all the time. And then I could, uh, then I asked my friend, what are you talking about? So there's, they, they were asking him, they would only put money if they know that the, the company will be uh, looked after by, by somebody who knows about shipping. And he was telling them that, that oh, I'm the shipping expert from Burma. No. And, and he is a smart smart fellow, he said to them, you know, he said, Thailand, we never developed shipping. And Burma developed shipping, Burma Five Star Line and other, uh, because they were colonies and they were taught by the British. So he, he said, that's why now I use the, I, I use this gentleman from Burma. No? So anyway, that's how uh, companies started. We're from scratch. There was no office, no nothing. Then I managed to get, I think, up to within two years, uh, we had four ships. Wow. But the ships were all manned by Burmese, by the way. Right. I brought my, my fellows from Burma. 
which is what they wanted anyway, right? Uh, yeah, well, at, at that time, yes. At that time, until we had a, a chairman with a, a vice, a vice uh, general, effort general, retired fellow. He was very nice to me in the beginning. He said, oh, he said, we, you must show us uh, your, the, the, your business and we're very happy to have you and your team and so on. But later on, after about two years, he got, he started having ideas. He, he thinks things were going, because things were going very smoothly, he thinks it's very easy. So he started to making plans to, to, you know, to replace us. So that was something that I didn't care for. But uh, the problem was the Chinese uh, high directors had a lot of infighting in the boardroom. Because they they're always thinking about their own their own share yeah. and the company that they they own, they want special freight rates and they want special treatment, and this is something that I could not do. I work for the company for all of them, but not right. for individuals. So I was very I wasn't happy with that. So that's the reason why after uh, three years I I finished my contract. And I, I, I quit and, and went to Singapore. Uh, so what Singapore. year are we now? We're in the 80s, right? That will be 1982. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Back to Singapore. And then didn't, yeah. you, didn't you get sick? Oh, that's later. Uh, that's well, later. Uh, that, that, that one, one more, one more uh, uh, what do you call it? One more company I, I work for. Uh, that was very, very strange how I, how I got the job. Well, I used to come to Bangkok for business a few times from Singapore. I was working temporarily for a ship owner there. And uh, one day, uh, while I was in Bangkok, I had a telegram from my uh, Singapore boss. He said, uh, please contact Citron. Uh, the Burma Five Star Line is interested in chartering a coastal tanker. So please see, uh, this is the message they got for me from Burma Five Star Line. So I was at that time about to leave uh, for the airport to go back to Singapore. So I phoned Citron uh, as a number I had. But nobody could speak English well. I couldn't understand what they were saying, or neither could they understand what I was saying. Then eventually, I got a number of the boss of the Citran residence. So I phoned the residence, and the lady answered. She spoke very good English. And I, I explained to her that I uh, am from Singapore. I'm interested in chartering uh, one of the ships from your 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 husband's company, uh, would you give my message? And so that was the message I gave her. And I went back to Singapore. Next morning, a young fellow contacted me and said she, he's the agent of Citroen in Singapore. And he would like to meet me. So I said, yes, I can meet you, but, uh, but all I'm interested is Chartering a ship from your your 
your your Sea Chitran Singapore uh, Chitran Bangkok uh, company, and all I need is some terms and uh, if if they are available. So he said, no, no. He says I have to see you because my boss come and asked me to see you. So I met him, and he said, uh, compliment from my boss, Konsutam, and he asked me to ask you to join him. <laughs> so I said what? <laughs> I don't know your company and I don't know your boss, but he said that's the message I got. He said, please uh, join him in business. So I said, please tell your boss thank you very much. Uh, I, well, I, when I come to Bangkok, I'll come and see him to just see what this is all about. You know. So, so next time I went to Bangkok, I sent him a telex saying that I'm coming to Bangkok uh, for business and uh, I'm staying in the Narai Hotel. He immediately replied and said, "Okay," he said, "If you're free for lunch, uh, I, I'll come uh, send someone to pick you up at one o'clock." So, after I arrived at the airport, and I I had nothing to do till the evening, so I was uh, that he he sent someone at one o'clock with a big limousine, and that someone was a very pretty Thai girl who spoke English. And she said, uh, "Yes, she is a, a marketing marketing manager, and she Konsutam asked her to pick me up. So I went along with her, then and I went to this their office. When I went inside the office, it was rather, you know, I was quite uh, upset with the, with the the state of the office was terrible. People were." Where you know, with files are all over, nothing, nothing more orderly, and people are just talking and doing nothing much. So, but when I went inside his room, the manager that was very good, very, very well uh, laid out, and got uh, you know, uh, waiting, waiting room chairs and air conditioning and all that. And so I was quite impressed with his room. So, and I thanked him, and I said to him, I said. Konsutam, thank you for inviting me, but can you please explain to me uh, why, what is the reason behind wanting me to join you? So he said, "I, I have uh, tankers that was a family business for the last 20 years, and we know what we are doing. But recently, I bought four dry cargo ships." X Merce Line second-hand ships uh, because it was a good bargain, but I have no experience in running dry cargo ships, and I've I've had it out to some high operators, uh, but they are making a mess and we're losing. So I'm looking for some person who will run the dry cargo ship. So I said, uh, "All right." I said, uh, "But then, how do you, how do you think that I can do it?" So he said, "Are you a Buddhist?" Yes, I said, "I'm Buddhist." So he said, "I do you believe in karma?" I said, "Yes, I do." So he said, "I will tell you." He said, "Last week," he said, "I was playing mahjong with my friends, and as usual, I was complaining about how to." Employed these four ships, and now that he was losing heavily, and the my friend the banker uh, said, "Oh, 
you should get the right guy who can do this because this guy was was working as general manager for Utah Marine, which is the last, the first company in our, I was working in Thailand. That he he knows about dry cargo ships. He seemed to have gone to Singapore, so that registered in his brain. And in the afternoon, he was playing golf with another guy, and he again complained about his problems. And that father, oh, you better uh, get Captain Lewin, who was who was in Utah Marine, he now in Singapore. So the second time that he was told, and he, when he came home. Then the wife said to him, "Oh, there's a message from Captain Lewin. Uh, that is the message I left. Right. So the three times my number came up to him. Can you beat that? <laughs> so right away he thought this I should be the right man, you know. So you joined him? Ah, uh, well, not right away. Oh no, no. I mean, I wouldn't be that that uh, that stupid. Uh, not knowing and not and after seeing his his company he was in a mess uh, in office anyway." So I said, oh, "Thank you, Kuntrukdam, for 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 this." But I said, "I have a problem. Why I went back to Singapore after Thailand with Utah Marine? I, because your company, if I may say so, have a lot of directors who are infighting all the time. That is something that I don't I don't feel quite at home when I'm running your company." So he said, "No, no," he said. This is different. All my shareholders live outside Bangkok, and they are very keen golfers. You know, so we are playing golf all year round. At the end of the year, when you close the accounts, I invite them over to Bangkok. They come here. They have a nice. Uh, we get drunk. We get. Uh, we get collect our dividends, and then we're happy. And we go back. So you only deal with one guy. That's me. He said he's a. I'm the managing director, and as long as you can get along with me, that's fine. So that that's good. <laughs> If I'm dealing with only one male, and the guy thinks that I can do the job, I said yes, all right. And then he said, "How long you want me to work for?" No, you don't work for me as long as you like. He said, "Only thing I want to ask you is, you should train my son, just young graduate in shipping, uh, with whatever." Um, Knowledge you have uh, to to uh, to make him, uh, you know, he so that he learned the business. So then I had uh, written out the terms that I want, you know, for not only just salary but you know, housing and transport and children education and all that. Uh, so I put this out to him and. He, Then he called his secretary and said, "Type it out, and then to give a letter of appointment, uh, offer appointment." So that's right away. I decided then uh, that that I would try this one. So that's how I got into Judah Marine. Uh, sorry, Citroen Marine. Yeah. So that was I was there for uh, three years, but during that time, another company in Singapore. You may have heard of Hong Leong Finance. Oh, there, yeah. It's a very big uh, yeah. finance company. Yeah. They they own everything in Singapore except shipping. And for some reason, they wanted to start a shipping shipping line as well, shipping division. But they didn't want to just go and partner with some big company. 
they prefer to more or less partner with the junior shipping company so that they get up the control. So they came to us uh, and said, well, would you, uh, would you be interested to partner with us? Uh, so, and my, I talked to my boss and my boss said, what do you think? I said, well, uh, as long as they don't uh, have full control of our, our operations, as long as they are a fair company, why not? It's a good chance. So we agreed to join, join up and became Hong Leong Citroen Lions. And so I really had to work for two companies at the time. And I was traveling all the time, uh, buying ships and so on. Uh, well, that must have taken toll my, you know, uh, my heart. So, oh, I started getting, uh, at that time, breathing trouble. And so when I checked with a specialist, uh, she said that I would have to give up stress because I didn't drink and I didn't smoke, and I was uh, I knew uh, except for uh, I think uh, uh, stress. I was there's no other possibility of me getting a heart 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 trouble. So. I said to her, I said, um, uh, what should I do? He said, you should give up work altogether and just so that you have no stress. So I went and told my boss, I'm very sorry. I said, I have to stop work now, but I could be an advisor. Uh, but, he, he, uh, but he also thought that I, I, had, I was more or less finished. Uh, so he said, well, why not uh, then... Uh, just have a good rest, and uh, so uh, I uh, finished my contact with him. Then the problem was we needed work permit. As long as I was working for him, I had a work permit, and that would expire uh, uh, right as soon as I stopped work. So he let me stay uh, in Thailand with a work permit extended for three months. So during the three months, I had to find find something, but I couldn't find any work uh, uh, because I, I I needed to to rest. So luckily, during the three months, I managed to get uh, visa, family reunion visa to Australia because my daughter had got married in Australia. So but what year are we now, KT? What year that would we... be known about 1982. Right. Yes. No, no, it'd be later than 82, I think. Uh, let me think now. 70, oh, well, oh, I'm getting all the years. Yeah. I left Burma in 1976, six, right? 76. Then Singapore, 76 to 79. Then Judah, 82, 84. Okay. 84. Yeah, all right. That's right. So uh, you went to Australia. I went to Australia, but I could do nothing. Uh, I was very... Uh, in, oh, oh, before that, I had angiogram in Bangkok. Yeah. And that time, angiogram was something uh, very new. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you, you, they put the 
the colored dye into your uh, artery, and then it, they make a what you call it a chest X-ray. Correct. But that is that is film. No, in not in no computer in those days. So it is film onto the uh, to the screen, and they take a photograph of that with a sixty millimeter camera. So when when she done that, uh, uh, she actually she was she she knew the technique because she was an intern in Mayo Mayo Clinic where they pioneered angiogram. So she she was quite conversant with with the procedure, and uh, she said. I'm sorry to say that your your one artery is um, sixty sixty uh, percent narrow, and uh, if you if it gets further, if you get more narrow, that you can you could get a stroke and you get a, or you get heart trouble. So it's best that you have to take a open heart surgery. surgery. In those days, there's open heart surgery was the only solution. I said uh, to the doctor, I said, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't like to open up my heart uh, to my uh, open up side because you, you don't recover very well from what I have known. So, well, he said, uh, if, you, if you do, don't do that. Uh, the, the only other choice is uh, go on medication and see how you go. So I said, let me choose the medication. And let's try. Uh, so I went on medication uh, without any surgery for next four years, you know. And I went back to uh, I, I went to uh, Australia, and at first I couldn't even uh, uh, walk uh, by myself. I was very very afraid. That I might fall down. Then later on, I started to build up my strength, and then uh, I started to uh, take regular walks, and and then a bit of uh, after that, I was jogging along a bit, and to to revive. But on the income side, I had nothing except what I saved, so there was not no income at all. And though I thought, well. I need some income. Then I had an idea. In those days, orchids were very popular in Australia. They were importing from Singapore and Malaysia, but not from Thailand. So that was an opening for me. I thought so. I I partnered with a, a Thai uh, partner in Bangkok, and they would uh, send the orchids to. Uh, Sydney, and I will collect it and then distribute it, or to to the to the buyers. So that was what I was doing, but then I had plenty of trouble because uh, because I was a newcomer in the business. Customs gave me a lot of trouble because if if I find one uh, one uh, insect or something, insect, uh, yeah. yeah, one insect, then they condemn the whole containment, you know. Uh, you know things like that, but uh, then later on, not only that, the my buyer was also not very uh, what you call it uh, honest in that sense. He would she would uh, delay my payment and all that. 
I couldn't handle all that. I had to go and collect up, collect the, the containment from airport, distribute the, the flowers that she should be doing, that I was doing for her. And uh, then uh, after about six months, I gave up. Then I was really at zero. Uh, then, uh, so uh, that's uh, my break came uh, without any, uh, what to call it, without actually planning. That went back to my time in Bangkok. When I was in Bangkok, a German ship owner came to see me. He was from Bremen. Uh, he came to look for business in Thailand, in, in, in Far East. So he, because I was a new company, he came and called another, uh, actually more or less a courtesy call. So I told him, I said, uh, we are not running to Europe yet, but one day we might. So anyway, I said, in that case, we were, at that time, we, I would contact him. So he gave me his card and I put it in the drawer. And uh, then uh, when I was in Singapore, before, uh, before I joined the second company, I was sent to France by the, my employer to supervise loading of a bulk carrier for them. So when I went there, I phoned a few of my contacts that I knew in Europe that does to tell them that I'm in Europe. And I phoned this gentleman who left me his card. Well, he was not in, but his, uh, his general manager took the message. And next day he called me and said, he said, Captain Lane, he said, your, uh, your friend, uh, my boss is wanting to meet you. Uh, he down in Sicily somewhere, but he wants to know whether, how, how we can meet. Uh, how we so I said, well, I'm going back to Singapore tomorrow, uh, but I'll be at the airport in Ole. Um, uh, if, you come, if you can come about lunchtime, we can meet there. So he, he came, and the general manager of his general manager came, three of us, sat down and had lunch. And then I asked uh, my friend, I said, uh, Klaus, his name was Claude Bunneman. I said, Klaus, he said, um, uh, I am, uh, I'm very happy to see you, but I would like to know why you, you are in, in a hurry to meet me. So he said, you know, he said, um, my company is 100 years old. He said, yeah. And uh, we always had German, German crew up to now. And I taken over my the business from my father, and I'm finding that big expenses of crewing is the biggest a cost, and the others are switching to Asian crew, and I'm just wondering if you might be able to help me, because I've seen that your, your Thai company was running with the Burmese crew. So I said, Klaus, yes, I, I'm sure I can get you one, one or, for one, one or two ships. Uh, so he said, then give me the cost of daily cost roughly for the 24, uh, 26 people that we have on board. So I said, well, I don't have that in my head because that is run by my chief manager. I keep, I do the general operations. So I said, I'll let you have it when I go back. No, no, he said, can you give me an idea now? 
So uh, well, I said, uh, in that case, uh, let me just uh, uh, do a little calculation. So I picked up the paper serviette uh, from the table. I wrote down the ranks and I wrote down the salaries that I remember. I added it up, uh, and then, and then I, I uh, then I added fifteen percent on that, and I divided by thirty, and the daily cost is out there. So that this is the daily cost. He looked at it and put this paper serviette in his pocket, <laughs> and then we left. Two days later, he sent me a telex. Hey, when can you send me your crew? So I was not prepared for that. I thought, I said, you know, it's, it takes time to get people out of Burma. So anyway, he says, I need a crew right away within, uh, within as, as, as soon as possible. So we agreed that I would send him a crew within one month. And we tried one ship with the Burmese crew, but the German captain and German chief engineer. So somehow they, they, they worked well. And he was happy with that. And then he even asked me for one more ship. Eventually, we landed up with four ships, four ships that our supplying crew. And we had no business in Burma. We had no company. Only my sister and my, my uh, uh, friend captains. So we had to set up a company in Bangkok to make it uh, that they, they are the one that bring the crew out of Burma. Uh, and then they, from the, uh, there, they become the principal. And uh, our, the, I had a port captain in Rangoon to, to do the selection and so on. And this, this company called Mariner now, uh, that was the company that I started at that time. And that is the one that is keep me going up to now. That keeps so that going until now. Lucky, right yeah. now. Yes. How so fantastic. that is a lucky break I had. You've had many, many lucky breaks, KT. Many lucky <laughs> this breaks. Is, this is the only break but the, the, I needed. I was so, down and out, don't forget, when I was so in Australia. Nowadays, um, is it who is the company run by? You still have a hand in the company? Uh, no. <laughs> no, certainly not. Because, uh, uh, you know, it is uh, at first... It was run by my nephew. Uh, he, I also got him out from his uh, b- uh, government business. He, he and his wife joined me in Singapore, uh, sorry, in Bangkok. And he's a very trustworthy and very hardworking guy. And now he, he's now passing the baton to his son. So we still uh, look after it, but uh, uh, I'm not interested in the DDR business. Of course. Uh, yeah. Are you um, still chairman or anything, or you still get the... I, I am, I am, I'm uh, the biggest shareholder. Yeah. That, that I, I call myself senior consultant. Very, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's how it is. What a one, and what about your health now? Ah, yeah. That is something that I need to talk about. Well, you know, after, after I had this um, angiogram and I was on medication, I was all right for about four years. Uh, and then uh, I, 
my uh, in my checkup it showed that my my uh, uh, artery was narrowing again. At that time, that specialist that looked after me, they were uh, going through the balloon. Yeah, the balloon. Uh, they put uh, catheter inside, yeah. and then they blow it to to press the walls against you know, and then yeah. there's no there's no stand yet balloon. Yeah. So they tried a balloon. And then after that, then the, the stent came out. So I put the first stent uh, because uh, the, the, the same place where I had the balloon, I needed to put it to stent. And that's the first stent. And after that, um, I had problem, uh, not with that anymore, but I was on medication for slowing down my heart, mainly you know, thinning the blood. So I think that's something to do with it. So my heart was running low. And uh, one day I was checked up in Bangkok and I found overnight that my heart used to go down below 50 and then alarm would ring. And I was in ICU. Uh, so then the my cardiologist at the time, uh, he, he said, well, the, your, your heart is uh, no other problem except that it's running slow. So I said, that, what is the remedy? Well, he said, because you're old. <laughs> this is about, I think, when I was about 80 plus. Yeah. Uh, the, well, I said, uh, uh, is there anything that I can do? Well, some people put a stent to push up the heart rate, increase the heart rate above 50. If you're interested, I'll get in front of my friend to come and uh, see you and then explain to you. And if you like it, you can do the stent, uh, the, the, the pacemaker. So that afternoon, his friend, the expert in pacemaker, he came and talked to me and explained to me and my family and I said, yes. Uh, he said, you can go home and think about it and, and then decide if you want to do it, come back. So I said, no, I said, I'm ready to do it now, uh, anytime. So that very day, I put in the, my first pacemaker. And uh, that first pacemaker was good for, in those days, four years. How many four years have you How many have you had? Yeah. Now? Well, this is the third one. Third Up one. to second one, all right. The second one was on the fourth year, and then the second one, uh, uh, from the second one, uh, to we, I had to, uh, I had a problem with the, uh, there was some infection in my chest. So when they checked up my infection, and though that they could, uh, the, the, the hospital could, uh, fix it with uh, antibacteria or injections, but the, 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 the doctor or the surgeon who were doing it, and he said that infection is very close to your pacemaker. So if that goes to the pacemaker, it will go through the lead to your heart. That is not good. So I said, can you fix that? So no, we don't, we dare not do that because your, your leads that from the pacemaker to the heart 
it's been there for uh, what is it? Uh, nearly ten years. It is. It could. Uh, it's not safe to to touch it. So they they said there's only one hospital uh, which has got equipment to do by laser and the specialists from trained in America. And that was about three years ago. So I was wondering how I can get to the hospital because this hospital is not a not a uh, private hospital, but it is. It is the hospital owned by the King's Hospital, and it's the Queen, the Queen Circuit, yeah, right. cardiologist department. So they only, uh, I think, arrange with the people that they know. Yeah. And so I was wondering how I can get there. So worry about that. And luckily, I found out that the guy in charge of that department. Of that Sri Raj Hospital uh, happened to be the guy who put in the, my pacemaker first time, twelve years ago. So uh, when when I found out that I went and saw him and he said, "Oh, why didn't you come to me uh, right away?" So I said, "No, I said I didn't know even you're there, you're here." Uh, and anyway, he said he put me on to a young lady who trained in America, and she done. Since she came back, she done 50, uh, uh, 50 jobs or 53 jobs, and then 50 have been successful, or three or not. So she told me straight, she said, you, you, my success rate is, is about um, 95%. She said, up to you. So you can think about it, and then, then either you do it or you don't do it, it's up to you. So anyway, this is a big decision for me. Because uh, it meant that I had to remove the pacemaker, my second pacemaker, totally, and she would have to put, uh, she would have to take out my lead and put another pacemaker outside, outside, and with a short lead on the on the right side, uh, and keep me in ICU for two weeks until everything is clear, and then. Then she would uh, put the pacemaker inside. So this I did three years ago, uh, two and a half, three years ago, and luckily I was successful. So now I'm on my third pacemaker. It's taking away 100%, but it's got battery life of eight years. Well, I think it's it's <laughs> you, you've had a lucky life, KT, a very lucky That's life. Good. That's what, that's what. Well, let's, <laughs> let's you. hope you have many more years of good health. But look, it's been wonderful talking to you and I hope we remain in touch because I've so much enjoyed it. And um, wow. we've, 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 this is the fourth, fourth interview with you and it's, it's a wonderful life that you've led and, you know, I'm blessed to yeah. have heard it from you. And as I mentioned to you, many people have already downloaded the last three interviews yeah, I did so. you, and I'm sure more will um, download this one so yeah. may I close in thanking you so much KT for your time for your for the life you've led and yeah. uh, as I say I look forward to keeping in touch thank you yeah. so much thank you thank you Peter let me at the last say if you don't mind I sure. want to to to, uh, to give all of you a bit of advice from my uh, good and bad experience. 
that uh, when somebody is over 50, I think one should do a stress test every year and then find out early how your heart is and then act accordingly. So it's not, never too late if you detect early with medication, you can still, uh, you know, cure uh, heart trouble, which eventually, if you don't, and if you, if you could get a stroke or you could get, uh, you know, a heart, heart infarct and that kind of thing. The other thing is now at my age, I come to uh, realize that um, what is happiness? Um, you, we can say many things so it make you happy, but I reckon the main happiness is only achieved if you are healthy. So to achieve happiness, you must be healthy. So that's my advice. Please try and be healthy and be happy. Thank you, Katie. All right, Peter? Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll stop Thank the recording you. now. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.